Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's just been advised to do his belt up backstage. <laughs> Good day. Welcome uh, to the Les Square Theatre. This is. Who's done up? I've just undid it. I've been to the toilet. I undid it. I just did a wee. It's not. <laughs> I was. Uh, welcome to the Rich Chang's Les Square Theatre podcast. I was hanging around with the Bard Meinhof gang. Um, <laughs> They are not as much fun as that name makes them sound. I have to say they were quite unpleasant. Quite unpleasant people in many ways. They call it Rehelis. They call it Rehelis. You know, they do it in a German accent like I did just then. So, um, uh, what was I going to talk to you about? Uh, You know, my book is out, uh, Emergency Questions. Uh, Do buy that and do uh, support our sponsor, Beer 52. Second week in a row, no beers have turned up. And, um... (laughs) Beer52.com slash Rahelaspa if you want some if you want some free beer. Uh, but I, I'd mentioned in, in another week that uh, I'm in the Amazon 
There's a, it's like a quite obscure chart with about four subheadings, and the final one is fa- fun facts and trivia. And I, I, you know, I got up as high as I think I got to number one actually for a very brief time. But I've been fighting against a man called Hugh Jaspern, um, whose book uh, "52 Things to Learn on the Loo." I'm not sure it's his real name. I'm not sure. Hugh Jaspern. Hugh Jaspern. We agreed to, we'd swap books, and I'd buy his book if he bought my book. Joke's on him, it's got, only cost five, mine cost uh, 9 dollars so. <laughs> Already up, but, you know, he's only got 52 things in here, and I've got 1,001 in mine. Um, it's a very good, it's, you know, it is better than the name suggests. That's what I'm going to say, and I can see why it always does quite well in the charts. Um, you can learn the two-cork release trick on the toilet. Hold a cork in each hand, as shown above. Place the tip of the thumb on the top of the cork in the opposite hand. Using index fingers, reach around, grab corks and pull apart. Show a friend, give them the corks, watch them fail. I mean, you know. <laughs> I did my best for you, Hugh, but... It is no... Taking a page at random. Uh, if you were in hospital, would you prefer to die than be Patch Adams? Not as good as that, is it? So, not as good as that. Not as good as that. So, uh, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to our guest this week. He has been on before. I told him backstage he was one of my top three podcasts I've ever done. My favourites is a lie. It was rubbish. Uh, it was it was mainly me that was good. He is probably come on, Ian Gunpowder. That was me. That was all me. So. He's probably best known as Balloon Man in Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Which is actually quite a big fucking deal. It's Greg Davies! Thank you. Hello. How are you doing? Um... I'm very well, thank you. Good. I'm I've just um, um, I've just been uh, sitting backstage where it's uh, insufferably hot, <laughs> and uh, now I'm sweating like the uh, fat prick. I truly am. Nice to be here. <laughs> we deliberately ramp it up backstage just yeah, to get. Yeah, seems people. right. It's genuinely uncomfortable. So thank you. <laughs> You've got new week. chairs, Rich, since the last time. I've new what? Chairs. Yeah, they are nice, nice aren't they? Isn't it? Kickstarter money. It's, as well. it's where it all goes. It's where it all gets blown. Look Lovely. They're very nice. Didn't, I, I was sitting on a very bad chair on last week's podcast. I forgot to mention how awful. All the, the ladies had lovely, these lovely chairs, and I was sat on... If you saw it up close, it was barely a chair. And we're off. It looked like... <laughs> 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 So, Balloon Man. Yeah. That's, but this is a big deal, Balloon Man. It sounds like a funny thing, but it's... It, it, is it I, out in the UK? Is it a, a big deal? I don't know. It's a Hollywood movie. It's a Hollywood thing, We've but I think, like, I think all the kids like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was just a... You know, they clearly decided um, that they wanted... It was a tiny bit part, and they just went through the roller decks of incredibly fat, <laughs> farting, disgusting old comedians. Yeah. And uh, I got the part, yeah. But it is... It took me about an hour, and uh, I die within ten seconds. Right. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's an animation, though, so they, you know, yeah, they, yeah. Need, they didn't need to get, like, literally a balloon man. No, they didn't. <laughs> they obviously thought that it should be genuine, so, yeah. It's just a disgusting, fat creature yeah. that just farts all the time and then um, is destroyed within 30 seconds of the film starting. So, big break. <laughs> 
but apparently people like um, uh, Teen Titans. Titans Go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I wasn't. I'm not aware of it. It's too old for my kids. That's the problem. So I'm. You know, I'm more into uh, Waffle the Wonder Dog and yeah, all the classics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He can. He can talk. I forgot to ask about how they got managed to find a talking dog to do that. Uh, so, must have been taking a long time. Um, so, um, <laughs> oh, we had such fun. We had such fun backstage. Um, we'll build up. It's all right. And uh, no, I think it was the chair story. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was good. The chair story. It would be better if the chair had been here. Yeah. For me to look, say, look, it's not Way as good better. as Yeah, re- recounting a chair that but, no one's seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's a basic, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like we should try and tell a chair story that is funny though okay. have you got a funny chair story I, w- <laughs> I was on a, a when I was living in rented accommodation I was on a small two seater velour sofa during the day when I should have been teaching children I'd taken a day off and God punished me because as I was watching daytime telly, I was just in my pants. I uh, cocked my leg to uh, let out a fart and I fully filled my pants full of shit. <laughs> Did Amy go on the, on the chair? Weirdly, here's yeah. the thing. <laughs> It's a weird thing. Because I am an unashamed brief wearer, none did go on the velour sofa. It could have been awful. And I really remember walking to the toilet. But I think it's... I think it's unusual, even when when you've got a tummy complaint, to go from naught to 100 miles an hour like that. Normally there would be a sort of, I'm not sure I'm feeling all that well. But not, not for, oh, yeah, I wonder what's on this morning, to <laughs> just a full payload. Yeah. When I was at school, it, you, um, it was sort of frowned upon to use the toilets to poo in, right? You're, you're, yeah. When you're seven or eight, you couldn't, if anyone did a poo in the toilet... Then people would climb up and laugh at them, and yeah. people would. If you, 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 you're meant to poo. At There's home. a boy in my school um, <laughs> who still lives in my hometown, yeah. and who is still called Poo Boy for that very reason. <laughs> and that is absolutely true. He's um, the son of the now dead uh, local news agent. Right. <laughs> still called Poo Boy. Never shit in a I, school I toilet. No, twice I chat in my pants rather than go to the toilet. <laughs> What a full shit. <laughs> yeah. And walked home. Like I was in the sick room. I, was fe- I said I was feeling unwell. Hang on, mate. And then I Hang sat on. in the sick room. <laughs> Hang on. So you needed a shit. Yeah. And you logically, as a child, thought <laughs> yeah. to yourself, I can't risk being embarrassed by my schoolmates. So yeah. I'm going to do a full turd. <laughs> yeah. I was in the sick room because I wasn't feeling very well. So that was part of the reason. The- yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember the teacher came in and checked on me every now and again. And once I'd completely pooed myself, they came in. They went, "You might as well go home now." <laughs> I think he'd smelt the poo. There I mean, I would assume so. There wasn't a toilet attached to the sick room. No. So you just thought, like, "I'm going to fully, yeah. well, fully could, do a shit in and my And everyone butt. was in lessons still, so I could have snuck in and used. It would have been one of the tiny toilets from the first years in the middle school. You know, um, when I was at um, primary school. 
I'm, I'm not sure. If, what I'm worried about doing this podcast is that I am a, a middle-aged man now, and I won't remember any of the stories I told last time, so I'm probably going to repeat myself. When I was at primary school... Your poo stories are so delightful, Greg. We, 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 they bear a second listen, don't they? This isn't a... I was... Um, I was in primary school and I threw a girl's pencil across the classroom in an act of unprovoked spite. <laughs> and um, the, the head teacher, Mr. Lowe, yep, no, no, now yeah. dead, um, <laughs> he saw me throw the pencil across the classroom and he grabbed me and he picked me up and he put me on the table and we were like in group tables. So all, a little group all sat around one big yeah. table dotted around the classroom. And he grabbed me and he went, I saw that boy! And he put me on the table and just in sheer fear, I just pissed myself. <laughs> and so it was just... <laughs> I think it's my earliest school memory of me just fully pissing all over a table that my, friend, my best friends were sitting around. Yeah. And it all spattering. And, and it really scared Mr. Lowe. You could see, you go, I wasn't expecting him to piss himself. But he knew he had to style it out. So he's all like, ah, oh, well, yeah, that's it. You've soiled yourself now. As if, of course, that's what happens. That's what happens if you throw a girl's pants across a classroom. And now you've pissed all over a table. You now must go and change. And they took me away. Anyway, as a consequence of that, for... I mean, 25 years I was known as tabletop in my town throughout my whole secondary school. Now, simultaneously, in another classroom, Miss Lorks's classroom, uh, my friend Stephen Jones had shut himself. I, I think on the, sa- <laughs> the same day. So I became known as tabletop and he became known as um, khaki ass. <laughs> And we sort of developed a, a, a bond over yeah. the, the years. So I would go past him and go, and he would go, <laughs> for years. Yeah. About three years ago, we had a school reunion uh, in a local pub. Like, like I went to school in the, the, 1979. And as I was put up to the pub in my car, I thought, that's khaki. <laughs> that's khaki ass at the cash point outside the pub. And he had his back to me, and I wound my window down, and I went, and I haven't seen him for 30 years. <laughs> I wound my window down, and I went, Pfft. and without turning around, he went, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> he didn't even check it was me. He went, oh, I know that. I know my old foe. <laughs> Oh, good. Uh, so, um, <laughs> uh, you, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to do all things that have happened since 2014 when you were last on. Okay. A lot well, of bad I, stuff's happened. I haven't pooed myself, <laughs> but a lot of bad stuff's You're happened. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've pooed myself since 2014. Not in any serious way. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Just in a loose middle-aged way. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're both you, we're both in our fifties now. Which we want? Are you 50? I don't know whether I'm in my fifties. Yeah. What you're fifty? Yeah, yeah, you're in. You're, in. you're not in your fifties. You're, you're fifty-one. I don't no, think. You're in. You're in. No, I'm fifty. <laughs> There's which a distinction. Is, which there. is one of the fifties? One of the with the ten fifties? I don't think it is. I think uh, <laughs> uh, I think the decades are marked by separate entities, and this is a year of youthful exuberance. Okay. I'm 51, so I'm definitely in my 50s. Fucking hell. Well into my 50s. I'm amazed you haven't shut yourself. 
granddad. <laughs> you said in, well, I think you said in your, your absolutely excellent uh, stand-up special that's on uh, Netflix, You Magnificent Beast. Thank you, Richard. Um, uh, what I love about this job is it's my job on a Monday to just watch you do comedy for an hour. It's very good. Uh, so you said, I think, you have less to look forward to at uh, 50, or certainly in an interview, maybe, if not in the show. Yeah. Do you, do you really feel like that? Do you feel like life's ebbing away? I, I, yeah. I mean, I... I I think it really broadsides you, 50. I think you can't... I, I can't quite believe it. I was talking to a, a mate of mine who... And, and we were literally yesterday, what feels like yesterday, fantasising about what our lives would be like when we were 30. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, bang! It is ah, quick. Fuck! I know it's a cliche, but it is like, what the fuck? I sort of feel like... 30 to 50 is like, you know, like there's that experiment where doctors were sucking out people's hypothalamus to see what would happen. Yeah. Uh, and then it, they lost all their memories. <laughs> I sort of feel like that's what happens. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I love it. Oh. <laughs> and then you've woken up the next day and go, but I'm still 30. That's my long term yeah. memory. Uh, so that's that's quite bad. Yeah, it's terrible. You have nothing in your life, though. I've got two children. So, yeah, you know, yeah it's true. You, you literally have no. True. You have I, nothing. I had to put all my energy into my career. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I would prefer to be doing the stuff you're doing. But of course, I, but I, I of have, course, I have two children, and that's a good consolation a re- prize. A really good friend of mine said to me the other day, and he was not joking. He was not trying to get a reaction out of me. He said, oh, "I think if I had my time, I'd go, I'd go back now, and I wouldn't have the kids. I just, I just get a couple of dogs, probably." And I went, "What?" Well, well, you mean if you could literally go back in time now, you would erase your children? He goes, yeah, I think so, probably, yeah. Yeah, on balance, I think so, because all, all they do is uh, complain and look on the internet. <laughs> I do that voice for all my impressions of all, all my friends. Yeah. Uh, I don't... My... My... Be- my... Probably my Betty mate, um lived with me um, a couple of years ago because um, um, well you don't need to know this, this is unnecessary detail <laughs> he got divorced there. Uh, and we were like two 49 year old losers yeah. but I fucking I just fucking loved it it was it was like a reliving just going back to being a student and we lived like students and we had curry every day and just got drunk all the time it was great and I'm sorry yeah. that he's now happy in another relationship <laughs> because it was such great fun. Anyway, he does talk a bit like that. And um, uh, I said to him one Sunday, I'm going for, um, I'm going to go and have a meal with a couple of other mates. Do you want to come? And he went, um. <laughs> And I don't know why this is, makes me laugh so much. And uh, maybe it was all right. He went, um, yeah, I don't see, um, I don't see why not. Because uh, all I've had to eat today is an individual cherry bakewell and a bowl of... <laughs> And a bowl of cheese. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck are you talking about? And he said it. He said it as if that's what everyone. I mean, you know, everybody when they're uh, when they've not planned their meals, just settle for that famous British meal, a bowl of cheese. 
you know, people, everyone has a bowl of cheese. No, they fucking, no, they fucking don't. <laughs> it's a bowl of cheese, yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you another story about yes, this? Yes, please. <laughs> when I, uh, oh no, I uh, shouldn't have used his uh, actual name. <laughs> This is a different mate, actually. <laughs> it's a different mate uh, who does have the same voice as that guy. <laughs> His name's uh, Tony. And um, it was in the 90s when I was teaching. Yeah. And there were two really attractive teachers, both of whom I really fancied and was desperately try- trying to impress. And they were having a. <laughs> They were having a conversation about how disappointing the male fantasy of two women being together is. They were sort of saying it's just pathetic that that's men's default setting, that they think that, you know, that women are all uh, 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 sort of gorging on each other and, and... well, whatever that, that male, but that male fantasy exists, and they were saying it was pathetic and predictable. Yeah. And of course, I was trying to impress them, so I was pretending that I find um, the idea of two women together unappealing as well. So I was going, "Oh God, it's just pathetic, isn't it? It's just is that the best you can do? Just imagining two women being together, God Almighty, yeah." And then Tony came in, and he came in. <laughs> it was a break time, and he went, um, "All right." And we went, all right, Tone. And he goes, um, what are you talking about? And one of the girls went, oh, we're just talking about them, you know, ma- the male fantasy of two, with two women being together. And before she could say anything else, he went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The thought of you two... T- <laughs> Let me tell you the whole quote. It's astounding. The thought of you two tender chickens... Packing away at each other <laughs> is more than I can bear. <laughs> Packing away at each other—it's offensive. It's offensive on so many levels. <laughs> Tender. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Oh, God, they were a bit frosty, weren't they? <laughs> oh, frosty. <laughs> I think um, I was interested about your stand-up, and like, as a 49, 50-year-old man as you're doing this show, is that your glee is still, your childish glee is still there. With my, I've done a show about turning 40 and a show about turning 50, and they're both sort of a little bit... The 41 more so than the 51 really about going, oh God, can I carry on being childish and yeah. I'm going to, you know, is it, is it the end because I'm too old? You don't seem to have those same concerns. No, I don't. Just the sort of celebration you know, of silliness. Much to the detriment of my personal life. But I think I, think I um, you know, I, it's, I, it's well documented. I grew up in a house where, with an in, in sensationally childish father. Yes. And, uh, so I think the die was cast. Yeah. 
But yeah, of course, we're all just, you know, we're all going to die soon, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> May but as well be silly while we can. It is. I mean, it's incredibly funny. It generally is a such funny show. And there's no, I mean, there's a little bit, because there's a little bit about your dad, so there's a little bit of uh, like a soup song of like emotion in there. But yeah. it's always undercut, really. It's just great. You know, there's so many stand-up specials and stand-ups doing this worthy and serious and doing dead dad shows that are like, oh, you know, yeah, my dad died. But, and, you know, but it's, it's, it's so much fun just to see someone being silly and But I think fun. that's fine uh, uh, if that's what... If, yeah. if, if you need to get it off your chest in a public forum, that's fine. But I choose not to yeah. be sad <laughs> on stage. But yeah. I think it's okay if that's a, a good way of you dealing with it. But, you know, I, I only mentioned... Uh, I, I would. Uh, the thing I love about stand-up is that y- you're in um, absolute control of what you release. Yeah. Yeah. So I would mention that he's died, but only because I want to say a funny thing that he. Yeah. It's a way into. Yeah, but you know, but it's, it's interesting. Saying I think something like, that, well, but, joyous about him. Sure. I mean, yeah. it's still a lovely. It's a lovely tribute for that because that's the kind of man he obviously was as well. Yeah. Uh, and but you know, critically. I guess, you know, I don't think I've laughed at, you know, many stand-up shows as much as I laughed at your one, but, you know, critically people will go, you know, oh, where's the, where's the depth to it all, you know. Well, it's they there. might. It's there. It it is just, there. They just need to look a bit fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> you got a quite a good review from Brian Logan in the Garden. I don't know if you read your reviews, but... It's, but I read that one, yeah. yeah. It, but it, it was a four-star that read like a one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a four begrudging stars. He's such a sniffy. I mean, he's he's the archetypal reviewer who wants every stand-up show to be what he would do if he was doing a stand-up yeah, show, yeah. which is a political stand-up show, basically. I don't know. You know, I mean, but, he gave me four stars. So he, yeah. must, he must be all right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he gave me four stars as well after he nearly uh, nearly got him sacked from the Guardian, so he had to. So it's um, <laughs> the long, long story. But he does mention in that review, I think, a, a routine that is, at least isn't in the Netflix live show. Is the is the Netflix live show shorter than the? Yeah, I had to show? chop it down to yeah. an hour. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why they like. Because he that. mentions uh, a routine about Doctor Dicklifter. Doctor Dicklifter. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't think that's in the Netflix. Special. Did I take that out? I think so. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I might. Well, that's a hundred. Uh, like most of it, it's just a hundred percent true. Yeah. Do you want me to tell it? Yeah. I mean, I was interested to know, but I, I had a, a massage who, a guy who wants I, my penis I, a lot. I mean, it, it is. A, it is on the surface a yeah. genuine story of uh, awful sexual assault. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go for a medical. We, uh, when you do any kind of teleproject, you have to go for um, a, a standard medical. Uh, and in my opinion, it's largely a pointless exercise. It's so that they can say you've been sent for a medical. And you normally get sent to one particular doctor in, um, uh, what's it called? Harley Street. Oh, yeah, okay. Who, who really, uh, who's lovely, but largely just says, how are you? Are you all right? No. <laughs> and then he talks about his son for about 10 minutes, and then you leave after he listens to your heart. But then I got sent for this one show to a different doctor I'd never met. And he um, and I have a massive fear of authority. Some of my friends called me FOA because I anyone in any position of authority, I'll do whatever they say. Yeah. He went, "Oh, you were quick medical, are we?" He was about seventy. Because I was having a little, little look at you, and then pop behind the old uh, pop behind the old uh, screen and uh, to pop your clothes off. And I went, <laughs> "Oh, I I didn't have to. I don't normally have to take it. If you could pop your clothes off, that would be good." <laughs> So I just did it straight away, down to my pants, and he came in, 
and he tapped my knee like, like that because that's really important then he listened to my heart then he took my blood pressure and then just with no warning whatsoever he just took my pants and went whoop, whoop. and I went <gasps> because I wasn't expecting someone to expose my penis yeah. and then he was talking this is my face he was talking to me and he just took hold of the tip of my penis and lifted it two inches in the air so it was upright and then he just carried on going in how long are you how long are you filming for Lovely. must be quite the life <laughs> quite the life being an actor and he held it for about um, I worked out because there was a clock behind you <laughs> I, I, I worked out he held my penis upright for three minutes while he was talking to me and then he uh, popped it down <laughs> and I went home and went <laughs> I don't think that's a medical thing <laughs> I, I can't think of any reason why why to make you sure you're fit for filming you have to have your penis lifted three edges in the air and held by a 70 year old man and it sort of troubled me I mean he didn't do anything with it he just yeah. held it and then I went on set and I, uh, and I saw the director who's um, about 10 years younger than me and buff and much better looking and uh, I went do you um do you have to go for the medical for the thing he goes yeah 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 I did and I could see he was a bit shifty and I went was it um was that alright that pan out alright he went yeah yeah no it's fine it's fine and I went did anything strange he goes actually yes something did happen he he grabbed my dick and um, and he lifted it in the air and I went right he did the same to me he goes, I know, oh, thank God, it's weird. It's weird, right? I said, it's fucking weird. And this is absolutely true. He goes, honestly, God, it's the longest five minutes of my life. And, and I was genuinely furious. He held his dick for longer. Maybe he was timing like a, he was boiling an egg or something and he needed to time it. Yes, no, no. And they saw it, it was hard-boiled for the what, other so guy. the lifting of my dick was in- <laughs> incidental? That was just the way he did it. Just well, my like, dick like, doesn't <laughs> keep time, Richard. <laughs> but maybe to him it's something. Maybe he's counting the... <laughs> your pulse or something. You oh. get, you get... <laughs> that's why he took my... Well, that's why he listened to my heart first. To make sure... <laughs> To make sure that my heart was keeping perfect time, and then in order to boil his egg, he was able to feel my pulse through my lifted penis. Yes. <laughs> of course. Of course. Oh dear. Good. I don't know why that didn't make it onto the Netflix special. That's good. So. Um... <laughs> I think what is interesting you talk about your dad and, and your dad um, making up lots of stories mm. for you and, and playing tricks on you making stuff up yeah which sort of makes me wonder because a lot of things you talk about in your show are 
mildly unbelievable. They're not, but they are true. Well, but that's what your dad would say. Is that is no, it, no, you, are you are, carrying the torch? But of... they are, and I, you, yeah, they are. Yeah, but that's what I find funny, and I think that is, you know, when lots of comedians are trying to find the truth in their comedy, but my literally. I literally find things that genuinely happen to the funniest. Yeah. And the only thing I'm guilty of is is merging stories and, you know, messing around with timelines. But the the, the starting point, the, the thing that's made me laugh yep. normally happened, yeah. You would say that, wouldn't you? No, but it's yeah, true. If you're a big liar, you yeah, would say it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Um, so well, it was when I met you we were talking about uh, Rick and you had just done the first series of Man Down I think when we last talked on here yeah and uh, and then obviously that same year you, we'd lost Rick and you, you also lost your dad as well yeah that was a pretty within two months I yeah. think is a double dad death yeah impressive <laughs> impressive to lose a fictitious dad yeah. and a real dad in one year yeah yeah how, how did how did you cope with it really was it was it Oh, it was horrible. I mean, it was bad enough me never having met Rick Mail. I was so I, the other day I was interviewed for the Young Ones documentary, and I, I don't cry all the time. I'm crying now, <laughs> and I told you about I cried in the last podcast. But I, I was started talking about Rick Mail, and I generally started crying. Did you in the interview? They only used it because no one's no, tweeted well, me saying no, what a prick they you are. Want the, <laughs> the an insane man on their phone. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of me crying on the cutting room floor. <laughs> Of pointless and Rick Mail young ones documentaries, but it, you know you've been working with him and he was such a big part of that show. And I think you you know, and it was a, a lifetime ambition yeah, for me. Course, I yeah. never thought I would ever work with him or yeah. meet him or have you know have anything. And then, then I'm being invited round to his house for tea and planning shows. And yeah, it was ter- it's terribly terribly sad. But the reason it was sad for me is because he was still you know he had that awful accident in the 90s and, yeah. and was clearly affected by that um, ongoing you know it, was, it had an ongoing effect on him because that almost killed him in fact he was dead for five days I think he, he loved that telling people that yeah. I heard him tell that story at least three times because he uh, was dead for longer than Christ was <laughs> 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 but um, it was dreadful it, 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 the reason I didn't know him well, there's no point in me pretending that we were best friends. You know, we worked on one series of a thing together. Yeah. But it was terribly sad for me because he was so full of beans still and he was still... He wasn't old. He was only no. mid-50s and um, same sort of age as you. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'd be popping off anyway. I could be popping off. And, um, yeah, he was just so enthusiastic and full of life. And, yeah. Yeah, there was no, there was no sort of complacency on set. He just wanted to be as funny as possible and, yeah, as mad as possible. So was it a difficult decision to carry on with Man Down, or was that no? That wasn't yeah. that wasn't uh, difficult because uh, the, the easy decision was not to replace him. That, yeah. that was, was we were never not going to carry on with it. But um, the only thing that could have been tricky is do you try and get someone to play that father role? And, I mean, I decided that in about 10 seconds. There's no point. It's no. ridiculous, isn't it? Well, uh, who would say yes? <laughs> yeah. Do you want well, to take over would. from Rick Mail? Someone yeah. would, and it would be... You know, you see that sitcom where, some, where a character's been replaced, even if it's not exactly the same character, and it's yeah. always a, when a major character goes. But, yeah. but it was very moving. That The episode you did was a 
the, the first one you did was a very moving kind of homage to both. I hope so. Uh, yeah, it was really, uh, yeah, it was very hard to write. Yeah. It was very, it's the hardest thing I've done in this silly business is to write a show about a father dying sort of after my actual dad yeah. had died and the character who played <laughs> my dad had died. It was about, just about the hardest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh, boo hoo. My, my dad's still alive, so he's, uh, he's eight. He's eight. <laughs> Last time I checked, so he's. Uh, he's <laughs> it's great. I've got both of them still alive. It's great. Uh, so. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really pleased for you. <laughs> but you're joking, the show. My mum's alright. Yeah, your mum's fine. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> we you joke in the show about you know you, you're taking so much material from your parents and so you know you're quite you're funny about saying your dad dying has has, has screwed that up a bit for you but you know, yeah did your, did your mum was your mum really resistant to you doing something you do you still do do a lot about your mum in the in I the do and I just can't get away from it I, I and I try to because I, I I just did a gig over at the comedy store just now and I said foolishly I do panic that I I might come across on stage is having a sort of Savile-esque relationship. <laughs> it's gone down just as badly here, interesting. <laughs> but you know that sort of obsessional, yeah. weird middle-aged man talking about his mum's day? <laughs> and so I do, I do genuinely, constantly... Uh, uh, yeah, that's the only similarity I have with Savile. <laughs> so I do sort of constantly vow that I'm never going to talk about her again yeah. and she's happy about that she's like good I think it is time you moved on now <laughs> and, and stopped and then and here's an example of what then happened <laughs> um, and this happened um, a few weeks ago I vowed since that show where I once again focus massively on the stupid things she says um, I was round at her best mate's house a few weeks ago we went for drinks because her daughter was visiting and um we're having a glass of wine, and they were talking about um, what it was like being pregnant in, with me and with her daughter in the 1960s, what it was like. And there were two things that I, I was... I remember thinking, oh, don't, don't remember this, don't write it down, don't write it down, you don't talk about her anymore. And she goes, because the first thing she said was, because of, um, of course I was absolutely repulsed by pregnancy. And I went, ah, oh, okay thank you she was a disguster I couldn't wait to get you out of me and I went okay and then she said um, then uh, of course uh, I gave up smoking uh, with you but I didn't bother with your sister <laughs> and I went okay why she goes well isn't it obvious and I said no she goes well you're giant aren't you <laughs> and I had um I had an awful time giving birth to you, and I'd, I'd read in a paper that women who smoke are in danger of giving birth to <laughs> underdeveloped infants, and I thought that would make it easier for me. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? I said, what, you, you tried to shrink my sister in the womb? What are you, a fucking 17th century witch? <laughs> So I just can't imagine she's ever going to stop yeah. uh, making me laugh. Yeah, I was thinking about Jimmy Savile's mum the other day. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's>, um... <laughs> Difficult wank. 
when you get older, you take, you've got to take a run up at it. <laughs> you need to go dark sometimes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't do anything wrong. You know, he kept like all her clothes oh, in, Christ, like, yeah, in his really? flat, and he dry cleaned them every year, I think, or something like That's that. That's right. Yeah, uh, we don't know why he did that. Uh, but um, <laughs> do you think I'd never even thought? You know, <laughs> you know? I think you're being a bit harsh on Jimmy Savile <laughs> to judge him by your dirty standards. <laughs> What do you think happened to all of her clothes when he died? Do you think like someone's walking around wearing Jimmy Savile's mum's dress, or do you think they were like because the gravestone got all smashed up and destroyed, didn't it? Yeah. Do you think they destroyed? Do you think they got burned? I don't think or there'd be a big they... market for them. <laughs> they might just go to charity shop. Them. I don't think they? Scope would be advertising. <laughs> I just wonder what happened to them. He looked after them so well. Yeah. Um, so. You are hosting the Royal Variety performance shortly. Yes, I am. How's that? How's that Interesting, isn't it? It's another thing that I've done for my mum. Right. Yeah. Just uh, in between getting all her clothes dry cleaned. <laughs> <laughs> Look, she's fine if she's alive. I think that's a nice thing if she's alive. I don't know how, I don't know how that'll be. Because I don't... You know, if you've watched even ten minutes of any of my stand-up shows, you know, it's just absolutely disgusting unsayable filth and yeah. I think it's um, uh, it, it's it, I've done it before I've done it as a as a comic right. and um, it was fine but it's not my crowd <laughs> and now I'm the host so I don't know we'll see you know I've what are you some, planning on I mean you know don't what are you going to I've got some ideas I don't know whether they'll work or not in front of that crowd I don't know is but no, the, it's not, I can tell you it's not the Queen, but I'm not, I don't think I'm allowed to tell you who the royals are for some protocol. Is it because it's, it's Prince Andrew? <laughs> I'm not telling you. I don't think I'm allowed to tell you. Okay. I won't, I won't. Put I don't care. I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you off stage, yeah. and I'll meet all of you individually, <laughs> and I'll tell you. I'm just not going to tell you on this. Okay, I don't want to get into No, no one cares. I, um, but I think it'll be nice. Yeah. And there's some nice comics on the bill, and uh, it'd be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. I don't, see, I just don't, I wouldn't know where to start. I mean, it's, well, not, nor likely do I. To, it's not likely to happen to me. But. Nor do I, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. And you were on uh, Who Do You Think You Are, which is what, I, the only reason I'd like to be as famous as you is so I could go on Who Do You Think You Are. It's the best thing. So, yeah. Such a shame you won't get to do it. It is, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it is the best thing. <laughs> and is there loads that doesn't get on the telly? There is. Do you know what? There's disappoint, it's disappointing, some of the stuff that doesn't get on the telly. Yeah. And, and even to the extent... And I understand why they have to do it, because they have to edit the complicated stories down. Yeah. But I always find it, they were cutting whole humans out of the story. That's right. There were sort of whole like sisters of characters who died in weird circumstances and they were um, chopping it out and they chopped out this um, amazing thing we, we met we met this expert they have, you meet these experts on the journey and we met this um, expert from a Welsh university who came off script the producer understandably is trying to stick to the story of finding out it was finding out who my grandmother's dad was because yeah. we as a family have never known and they found out who, who her dad was on this bizarre telly program but we met this um, guy and he was talking about um courting techniques in rural 
Wales <laughs> at the time. And there was a courting technique known as bundling. And this didn't make it on the show. And it's my favourite thing I learnt on the whole journey. That at that time, because I, I was saying it would be a scandal for my um, great-grandmother to be pregnant out of wedlock, surely. And now my great-great-grandmother to be pregnant out of wedlock. And he said, no, it wouldn't have been. It only became a scandal sort of early 1900s. In the late 1800s, there was nothing scandalous about getting pregnant out of wedlock in rural Wales (laughs) because there was a technique called bundling where, and this was widely practised, where a young man would go to a farm and sneak into one of the daughter's bedrooms and have sex with her. And then if she got pregnant, he knew that he got a good one there. And uh, then they would get married. Right. Because there was no point in marrying her, uh, a woman unless she could give him loads of kids to right. work on his remote farm where they'd all be really unhappy and <laughs> want to kill themselves. <laughs> and when they're going and bundling, it's with people that, they, that want to be bundled, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because no, it just sounded a little bit rapey the oh, way you no, described no. it. They're just, which is why I think... Why well, I think everyone's gone a bit quiet. It's gone a bit quiet. <laughs> and I did think this is an interesting story, you fucking assholes. No. Sorry, I, I should make it very clear that the, the, the daughter of the family would open the door and welcome the young man in. <laughs> the thing I found most interesting about the whole story was that it was totally okay to rape people. <laughs> uh, in the 1800s. Have you noticed the voice I'm using, Leo? <laughs> So there was nothing scandalous no. in um, rural Wales about getting knocked up in, in the late 1800s. Right. And it was the government who decided... I've seen the, the government paper that basically said all these fucking farmers are all, they're all banging each other and having a great time, <laughs> getting pregnant, and we've got to get them into church. One of your ancestors is a ghost as well. What do you mean? <laughs> One of your ancestors is a ghost. One of your ancestors died in like a car accident or something. What was oh, yeah. It? yeah. And yeah. then people have said he haunts it. He haunts the valley, yeah. yeah. Of course he doesn't because ghosts don't exist. <laughs> but the locals seem to think that he, my great-great-grandfather still uh, marches around the valley, yeah. Yeah. Well, why would they think if it isn't true? Oh, it must be then. <laughs> Be good to have an ancestor who was a ghost. I'd, I'd be good. I just thought they would try and film you with the ghost. Mm. Did they spend any time doing that? Trying to film you? No, with they the... didn't. They didn't try and film me with a ghost, Rich. Okay. <laughs> so I, that's why I'm not the producer of who you think you are, I guess. Because <laughs> I'd have spent most of the budget on that. <laughs> you waited a night in that valley. <laughs> go, come on, if we get this, and you can go, well, hey, what was it yeah, like well, being. Well, he was a bit of a rum and money, that guy. That, well, uh, see for yourself, there he yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you are? Where do you think that came from? <laughs> All ghosts go. <laughs> They're not happy about being ghosts, are they? I, I reckon I'd be quite happy about it because you go. It's a bit extra time, isn't it? Better than being dead. I'd be going. I'd be the, I'd be the thumbs up ghost. <laughs> Wuthering Heights would have been a very different story with you as the ghost. <laughs> he clapped. <laughs> the window (laughs) (laughs) cafe it's alright it's alright can I come in (laughs) with your consent 
Uh, oh, this is an emergency question that I've noticed. Uh, in, I was in the Daily Express. It's asked in the Daily Express. It's exclusively asked to women, and I find that sexist. So I'm going to ask it to my male guests from now on. Okay, good. This the Daily Express's. I hope uh, it's about my vagina. Daily Express's. <laughs> Daily Express's question: What's your beauty secret? Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, don't, men, men don't get asked this question ever. You're oh, a very sexy man. Women thanks. like you. I've, I've read British Comedy Guide, not British Comedy Guide, British Dirty Britcom Confessions. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's more up. Oh, there are there are three mentally deranged women <laughs> posts directly on there. There's one that all are very much about wanting to be on Taskmaster and you are, are asking for tasks and re- the rewards of taking your clothes off and then having sex in front of the studio audience whilst being filmed and looking at yourself on a big screen. That's a new one. <laughs> That, that's what I want. <laughs> no, that's, that's what the uh, I'm guessing, young lady, but you know, maybe a young man. Oh, do you have a be- do you have a beauty secret? Do you have a, re- I, a regime? Yeah, I suppose the the one um, the one vain thing I do that I'm amazed I'm admitting to <laughs> is um, that I uh, put a little bit of dye in my um, beard. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was um, a man over in my park uh, who runs the local cafe who said, and this is just genuinely how he talks, he went, he went no, no, no. And I went, what? He goes, this, no. And I went, oh, you don't like it? He goes, no, you look a hundred years of age. Um, you've got to draw some just for men through that. So I do draw a little bit through the sides to stop me looking like Santa. And that's the only thing I do. Yeah. You look like Tim Allen halfway to transitioning to Santa, though, in the Santa Claus. Thanks. That's all right. He's a, he's a handsome man. He's a good-looking man. I didn't expect that question to get, like, such a revelation. That'll be in the, that'll be in the Daily Express. Once this comes out, yeah. That'll be the front page. I can't really tell, but if I don't put a little bit in, it's just totally white, and it yeah. just makes me look 65, so... Okay. Yeah. This is all, this is all natural, my, my one. Is it? Yeah. This is, all, this is all naturally... I never go full Noel Edmonds, but I don't, no. think, I don't think there's any shame in taking the edge off it. No. Can you be sure? Because surely Noel Edmonds never thought he would go... Like with Noel Edmonds, it was, it was quite subtle, and then suddenly one week on Saturday... No deal, it just went like he was a... Just looked like children's felt, <laughs> all of a sudden. Because <laughs> it's an act of madness. What do you think to that? look in the mirror and go, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think well, I think we'll get away with that. <laughs> you won't know. <laughs> you won't. What do you think the production team did that he turned up like they because they wouldn't have been able to I think they're too busy looking in the mirror and going, Oh god. <laughs> I thought I thought we'd be doing films by now. <laughs> right, um, here is an emergency question. It's hot as fuck in here, isn't it? <laughs> is it? No. Oh, no. The old heart. <laughs> if you go, if during this interview, we'll put it out as a tribute to you, including, Thanks, including your death and death rattle. Thanks, and I'll be much. laughing for a bit because I think you're joking, and then we'll go, but then I'll pull a serious face at the end when I know. So I'll go, you do a show about it. <laughs> yeah, I do a show. It might be my step up to the big time. Mike Gordon, who do you think you are? The man who murdered Greg Davies. <laughs> right. Through laughter. Um... What? What's the fuck is this? What's the most impressive? What's? The, I don't even understand this question. I'm going to ask it to you. I wrote it. 
What's the most impressive place that you have revealed your naked? Is that Doesn't gone to print? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Fucking hell. Is it self-published, though? <laughs> <laughs> Is it self-published? What's the most impressive... No, it's gone through a proper publisher. Someone's proofread that and gone, yep. <laughs> What's the most impressive place that you've revealed your naked? Not where you've been naked. Where I've revealed my naked. <laughs> you've revealed... Hey, I'm naked. I don't, I don't think I've ever revealed my uh, naked anywhere impressive. Okay. I don't really like being naked. I don't even like looking at myself naked. But I can tell you that the freest I've ever felt naked <laughs> yeah. was on a hillside in Spain. Um, and someone had bought me a caftan. And I went out in the place I was staying very early morning. And my girlfriend at the time was in bed. And uh, it was 6 a.m., in the morning and I went out in my caftan and I stood on the side of a mountain and I lifted my caftan up <laughs> and I just urinated off the mountain without touching my penis and I don't think you've ever done that no. it is oh man it is so liberating I'm the, all of the men here and the women I guess yeah. it might be a bit more messy you must go home and try and have a wee with your hands behind <laughs> your head it's so freeing yeah. it's like returning to the wild so I guess that's the, um, the best way I've yeah, revealed my naked. Nice. <laughs> Usually you've got someone to hold it for you as well. That's the thing. Isn't it? so yeah. it's, uh, maybe that's what he was up to. Maybe it's just, come on, it's, yeah. urine. it's time for I the urine it, sample. I needed it lifted by three inches. <laughs> um. Okay, here's a question for you, I think. I think you'll like this one. Would you rather be the face of a twin, mostly absorbed in utero, staring out of the stomach of your otherwise regular twin? <laughs> You'd be able to think independently and talk and pass comment on what they were up to. <laughs> Look how pleased and you are. Chat with them when they're lonely, or when you're lonely, or be the prisoner. <laughs> this is quite near the end of the book. <laughs> I did the last couple of hundred quite quickly. This is you oh, draining the remains of a bottle of whiskey and going, fuck it. Watching the word count creep up. Fuck it. Or be the prisoner of a Randy Bigfoot who, is, <laughs> who so far has treated you kindly enough but has a look in his eye. One of those. <laughs> uh, what? So, uh, <laughs> just distilling those down a bit. Well, you're either the twin, the abs- ma- mainly absorbed twin of it, someone else in the stomach, I would guess, of like a bit like they uh, guess Total Recall, that little baby in Total Recall. Oh, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just a small face within someone else's stomach. Yeah, but you've got, you've got your independent. Thought. Would I rather be that? Yeah. Or would I rather <laughs> risk being? <laughs> Potentially fucked by a Sasquatch. <laughs> well, a Bigfoot is a different thing, but yeah. Is a Bigfoot a different thing to a Sasquatch? Yeah, they come from different regions. <laughs> That's like saying, you know, uh, uh, an African elephant's the same as an Indian elephant, and they've diff- got different ears. Okay. <laughs> What's the key physiological difference between Sasquatch and Bigfoot? Well, I don't know, though. I just want to know whether it's, it's a giant penis. It's just... <laughs> just, just 
Well, well Richard, it answers your question. Yes. I, I would, I think I would prefer the freedom of um, <laughs> moving around and fending for myself and the small chance that the Bigfoot wouldn't fuck me <laughs> than being absorbed within someone else's stomach. Okay. So I think that would be my answer, yeah. There's another question. Would you rather have the living face of your own twin, who you had mostly absorbed in utero, staring out of your stomach, yeah. who would be able to think independently and talk and pass comment on what you were up to and chat with you when you're lonely? Yeah. Or live on top of the pole in the desert for 30 years like Simeon Stylitis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this a... time, you're, you're in, you know, it's just a twin, kind of friendly little... Yeah, clock face. It's all about freedom of movement for me, really, yeah. Rich. And I don't want to be trapped in someone else's stomach, and I don't want to live on top of a pole, okay. like uh, David Blaine. So um, for thirty years, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I would okay. have a small voice in my stomach. Okay, in that case. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, it feels like you've been asked that before. Yeah. From the way you've responded, quite angrily. Have you got a twin in utero? I've seen your stomach. There's nothing in there. Um, you have a see-through toaster. Yes. Is this what show, the showbiz life has become? Alex Horn's really, really jealous of it. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely furious that he wants a see-through toaster. And I can't say that I'm at all excited by it. <laughs> so, so you can see your toast? You can see it going brown and think, yeah. oh, yeah, that's brown enough. But there's a design flaw, because who sits watching? <laughs> the point of a toaster is it automatically does your toast for you, yeah. right? So if you're having to sit watching it go brown, yeah. then it's... Um, I'll tell you what it is, Rich. Yeah. It's a solution looking for a problem. <laughs> okay. So we should talk about Taskmaster. You are the Taskmaster. Undeniably. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fantastic show. We had little Alex Horn on. He's not that little. He's quite... Oh, he's quite, six foot two, I think. Yeah, he's quite big. Yeah. Compared to me. Uh, and and I think uh, he genuinely finds it irritating... Does that, he? ...that people now know him as little Alex Horn. <laughs> And something that I'm drunk with joy of. <laughs> any irritation I can cause him. It's a lovely relationship the two of you have, permeating through those, growing through those many, many series you've done now. How many series have you done? You've done seven. Seven, yeah. Yeah. And more to come. Many more. Yeah, to I come. would think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a joy for me, obviously, because Alex does all the work. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, I think it. But it's a. It's one of those things that a lot of um, telly shows that get made, broadcasters will just give them one series, and if it's not everything they hoped it would be in that one series, then they stop um, making the programmes. But with um, uh, Dave and Taskmaster, they just kept going. Because I think mine and Alex's little fun thing has genuinely developed as we've gone on. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't know Alex at all, really. No, it's it's a really nice relationship. I mean, it feels like a relationship that was, you know... It was that predates that, but that's that you just you. It, it didn't really. Though. Did you did you know when you were, when you were offered it? Do you know because obviously getting you on board was a big help for them because you were you know. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I was delighted. Yeah. to be offered, and I uh, and I just could said, you see the potential immediately, or was it, well, was it uh, obvious? If I'm honest with you, I, I, it was just that Alex did it, and I have been to see Alex's shows, and I think he's really clever and funny, and so. I'd, yeah, I just said yes based on that, if I'm yeah. honest. I didn't know whether the show would work or not. Yeah. Who do you think is the biggest idiot you've had on the show so far as a I guess? don't think there's been any idiots on it because Phil it's Wang. Ce- celebratory. Phil, Phil Wang. No, I think, I would say that he is the only person I think I've judged far too harshly. <laughs> I, I, 
I've watched a couple of them back and I thought, oh no, you've really stitched Wang up there. <laughs> but it's hard, you know. I'm making the decisions genuinely in the studio and, yeah. and judging people and uh, it's genuinely quite stressful at times. <laughs> so I don't always get it... You don't always get it right. No. Well, you do get it right because you're the taskmaster but sometimes it feels... Yeah, like it's grossly unfair. Do you feel yeah. you gave Rod an easier ride because he's your mate? I certainly did not. <laughs> and I've, you're not the first person to suggest this. And I'm telling you now, there is no way I want Rod to do well in any aspect of his life. <laughs> Even if it's on a joke game show, I utterly refute that I was helping him in any way. That's what someone who was helping him would say. Yeah, well... It's a very Trumpian response to that. I'm furious with myself if that's how it's appeared. <laughs> um, and do, does, does, is there a lot in that show that doesn't make it to the screen? I did ask Alex. So much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether Alex has meticulously planned the tasks and filmed them, so I don't know that there are many tasks that don't make it to the screen eventually. But in the studio, it's like any of those shows, we just talk for ages. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, uh, over two hours we record for right. every time, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, what a laugh. It's a very, very enjoyable show. It's a wonderful show to be yeah. part of, yeah. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> That's what I imagine. That's why I sometimes, sometimes imagine that. I, and I, I got Who Do You Think You Are before I even did that. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Um, last night... I slept from 10.30 to 5.30. Yeah. Didn't get up to go to do a wee. <laughs> when was the last time that happened? <laughs> I, ge- I genuinely couldn't tell you. And yeah. at 11am tomorrow, I have an appointment with the doctor to talk about my prostate. <laughs> <laughs> will you give us a ring and let us know how it goes? And we I can put it on will, as a yeah. extra at the end. Give us a ring, unfortunate. <laughs> Because I have got to have a prostate examination yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm, I, I am up at um, 3.30 oh, yeah, every yeah. day, with, uh, every night with um, the middle-aged piss. Right. It's oh, yeah. a living fucking hell. Do you, do you have kind of panic attacks? And I've started having sort of panic, attack, panic attacks when I wake up in the middle of the night. My kids sleep through now till about 5.30, 6 o'clock. So, like, I, I, can, I should be able to sleep through the night. But I often, like, wake up about 2.30... After having had a weird dream and then feeling really uncomfortable and not knowing why and I can't turn the lights out and I have to go and walk downstairs and, and have a light on and I can't sleep for about two hours and then I can sleep again no I don't have any of that no okay probably that's sort of thing that happens in the next year for you <laughs> just, just to warn you it's really horrible because it's like you sort of think fuck is this actually is this sort of slight sense of fear and dread and not and feeling like you're going a bit crazy which I am not uh, is that what life is going to be? Because as you get older, you know, your brain decays as well, doesn't it? And then you go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I am, my memory of this podcast is it was far more hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> we were young. We were young men in our mid-40s. Do you really, feel, you really feel age? You, do you find it difficult? I, no, I don't. I've, I found 40 harder than 50. I think it's because I've got so much going on. It don't, I don't... Just every... That's maybe the only time I get is 2 o'clock in the morning. Maybe that's when my existential dread can kick in. I think that's all it is. I've had yeah. it for a bit, but it's sort of happened... It happens when I've drunk a bit too much and had chilli too late in the day. 
So it's nothing to do with age. It's I don't to know. Do with your well, ter- I mean, terrible diet. I used to be able to. I used to be able to get drunk and eat jelly late at night and still be able to sleep. But now. What I find about drinking yeah. now as a middle-aged man is that if I get drunk, I have 48 hours of absolute depression. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Uh, yeah, it definitely uh, is a knock. It's a knock. Yeah. It's all, uh, literally awful. Yeah. This uh, podcast is sponsored by Beer52.com. Beer52.com slash RHLSCB if you want eight free beers and to feel terrible after drinking them for dying. Come on, Rich. I like being I like We can pull this back, We can pull it. It's going to be fine. I got a round of applause for sleeping through the night without doing a wee. They love us. That's good, yeah. Yeah, what? It's the most, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, well done. But I genuinely cannot remember the last time I didn't have to get up at half past two to do a wee. And I'd had a beer and everything. That's great. Well, I'm yeah. really pleased for you. Thank you, it's good. <laughs> Are you ever mistaken for Greg Davis, the children law specialist? No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he's ever mistaken for you? No. Do you think anyone ever rings up and goes, oh, I don't think I want you to do my children's law specialist? No. <laughs> I saw you interviewed saying that you still love touring mm. and you still enjoy it. Yeah, I really do. I think it's a really great thing to do with your life. Why wouldn't you like it? Why do any comics ever moan about it? Because it's really you get hard. driven to a town and talk shit for an hour to people who've paid to see you. <laughs> Shut up. It's a great thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as long as people want to do it, you know, see it, I will, yeah, I think it's great. I think, but so much of your comedy depends on you enjoying yourself as well, don't you think? So, like, some people can be grumpy and... You're not a grumpy performer in any way, are you? No, no. So if if you're not enjoying the stage time, I'm not sure that show would work in the same way as it does. No, I would agree. The the material is flimsy at best. No, I don't think... I think the material is good, but I think so much of it is your... So much of it is your glee. It's your childish glee at what you're doing. Yeah. And and, and it doesn't feel like you could really... I mean, there's a fakery even if you're a dour comedian and you don't jump around yeah. gleefully, still uh, touring is an amazing gift, isn't it? A wonderful thing to do. It you is. Still tour? Do you, do do. you not love it? Any, still? I, do, I do, but it's, I find again when you got to, I, since I've had a family at home. That's oh the yeah, all right. Well, I can still have kids. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to have kids? I doubt it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I feel you'd be a good dad. Thanks, Rich. But you say you hate children. Is the... I don't hate children at all. I've got two nieces, and yeah. I love I love them. They're great. I tell, I, I've probably told you what, what my uh, nieces uh, said to me a couple of years ago. I walked into the dining room, and uh, they're like they're eight and ten now, so they were six and eight at the time. And as soon as I walked in, um, the older niece went, oh, "We're not allowed to talk about how big your belly is anymore." <laughs> And um, the younger one, Daisy, came out from behind her and went, but you are fat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's lovely. They are good. And I was going to talk to you. The last time we saw each other was at Buckingham Palace. Yeah. That was a strange evening. Just the weirdest. (laughs) And walking in and seeing, I was already weirded out by being invited. And then I walked in and saw you. I walked into a room and saw um, Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. 
Benedict Cumberbatch and Stephen Hawking. And then you... <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why I've been invited. I don't know, I can't remember what this is. I think maybe I've dreamt this. <laughs> it was weird though it wasn't was it? weird well it was a dinner for motor neuron disease yeah and I've never done anything <laughs> you were a total imposter <laughs> I'm yeah and I think there should be more motor neuron disease not less <laughs> it was very difficult for me I had to eat the food I feel like a little bit of a hypocrite <laughs> I had two really surreal moments yeah one is the reason I've been invited is because I'd done a, a gig and I'd given the proceeds to most neurone disease and um, the guy went round and introduced us all and said what we'd done and he said that you he said you'd raise loads of money but you hadn't raised any for scope I'd raise loads of money for a for different scope. charity nothing to do with most neurone <laughs> I got invited very late on. The guy who worked at the charity used to work at Scope. That was it. Right. <laughs> okay, so you were, you were a total imposter. I'd yeah. done a gig, and um, when they introduced me, he said, uh, the organiser said, and this is Greg Davis, who's, uh, who's um, um, raised many thousands of pounds for most of your own. And later on, there were two weird things that happened to me. Later on, Susanna Reid... <laughs> quite aggressively questioned me <laughs> over the top of Stephen Hawking <laughs> about how many thousands of pounds I'd raised. <laughs> she went, you've raised thousands of pounds. Hawking was R.I.P. Was, um, was between us. Yeah. She went, you've raised thousands of pounds of you. And I went, uh, yeah, yeah. She went, how many thousands of pounds? And I went, oh, I don't <laughs> I can't remember. And then Five minutes later, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, whose wife was heavily pregnant, swept out of the room, and my mum, who was obviously there because I'm obsessed with her, <laughs> my mum went, oh, no, oh, Benedict Cumberbatch has left. I really wanted to meet him. And Judge Rinder... <laughs> it's like I'm making this shit up, isn't it? <laughs> Judge Rinder turned around and went, you want to meet him? You're going to meet him. And he ran across the room, past Hawking and Reed. Sorry, past Stephen Hawking and Susanna Reed and uh, the other strange collection of people, uh, Princess Anne. Princess Anne was there. And, it, uh, and quite aggressively grabbed Benedict Cumberbatch by the arm. He was escorting his pregnant wife out and dragged him back into the room and so he could meet my mum. Cumberbatch just going, oh, okay, well, look. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so you can let go of my arm, George Render. It's uh, nice to meet you, old lady. Old lady of a comedian, I don't know. Now I'm going to take my pregnant wife home if you don't mind. Uh, Great night, though, wasn't it? It was good. Who else was there? We were sat, we were sat next to Nick Knowles' wife, but Nick Knowles wasn't there. Nick Knowles didn't make it. <laughs> You fucking hell, Knowles. You can't do that. You can't go with a very generous offer. I'll be sending my wife. We were definitely at the bad, the, the rubbish end of the table. Oh, God. They it got was... us well away from Princess Anne. <laughs> they did. Well no one near Princess Anne. No one near Stephen yeah. Hawking's. Well, 
they can't avoid me this time. I'm hosting the fucking Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there going to be more man down? I don't know, actually. I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a possibility there might be more man down, but I'm more inclined to possibly do something else. So you're writing something else that you're not going to be in? I'm writing two things, right. one of which I won't be in, and one of which I will be in more than anyone else. Right. <laughs> That's my plan. But yeah. I, well, there is a route where Mandane might reappear, but at the moment I'm going to try and do this other thing. Right. Yeah. Any clues? About the thing? Yeah. It's just another silly old comedy. <laughs> yeah. No, I won't tell you the idea, because no. I haven't got it away yet, and it'll just be embarrassing. Yeah. It'll just be... Oh, yeah, remember that shit idea he said on his early <laughs> podcast that we've never seen? I do all mine on here and none of them get made. Well, they're not. Yeah, it's the well, only, but it gives them a little that's life. Why I'm not gives making t- that mistake. Gives them a tiny life. <laughs> well, I've got a thing I'm uh, looking forward to. I hope that comes off. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I hope that... Well, it'd be nice to see more man down. It's, a re- it's a just really silly and fun... Thanks, Rich. Sitcom and yeah, and like, they're uh, right brilliant gang of people. Yeah. Yeah, they were a really nice group and I hope somewhere in the future maybe there will be something else yeah yeah we'll see let's do let's just take a random emergency question and let's see if we it works or not what is the best thing you've ever bounced on (laughs) i don't think that I, I mean, I had a space hopper. I yeah. guess that's it. I had, a, that's I, what I, I had a, a very rare blue space oh, hopper. Oh, blue? Yeah, that was um, bigger than the orange ones because I was an outsized <laughs> child. So they, uh, they sourced a blue uh, space yeah. hopper for me. I guess that's the most yeah. thing I've bounced I, I imagine you're wanting me to... You, no, that, I wouldn't that look on your face. That look on your face is just sexual innuendo. You're the only person I know who can do sexual innuendo without saying anything, <laughs> just just by having your face. Did you ever fuck your big blue straps <laughs> <laughs> up? No, no. <laughs> just the bear. that'd be a one-off time if you fucked a space. I mean, a what a one time! You could do it in the blowhole. The blow, the blowing up hole of the space hopper. Yeah, they were tiny. Though, they were. You'd have to extend yeah. it a little bit. What if you? Um, <laughs> it's what anyone who's seen my stand-up show yeah. knows that I um, fornicated with my uh, teddy bear as yes. a child. I mean, it was a big teddy bear though. It wasn't it like was, a little. It was five foot tall. It was like a grown-up teddy bear. It wasn't yeah. a bit child teddy bear. Yeah, it was five foot tall, yeah. and it was tall intents and purposes real. <laughs> and I fucked it real good. <laughs> But let me ask you this. (laughs) When you were going through your um, teenage years, what did you have sex with? Well, not, I was surprisingly not very much. All boys had sex with something. (laughs) I think the the most I did, I was very, I would have have counted that as losing my virginity, having sex with the teddy bear. Yeah. And uh, I would have then been disappointed. I was very, I was a very good boy. Uh, What, there was a, there was a condom machine in, (laughs) that's worse than it. (laughs) There's a condom machine in the in the local pub that we went to when we were 14. You fuck that. No. If you twisted it a certain way, free condoms came out. Okay. And, we, and then sometimes free money. And we worked out this for a glorious period of about two weeks. We'd go in there and like a couple of quid would come out and we'd get four or five packets of condoms. 
I wasn't going to have sex for five more years. <laughs> These condoms would have been out of, out of date by the time I ever got a chance to use them. But I had a stash of condoms. Like, God, if my parents had ever found those hidden, they'd think, what the fuck is going on? I had like five or six packs of condoms. And I used to have a posh wank every now and again into one of them. That was, that was it. Do you not find that your hands um, smelt afterwards, though? Yeah, yeah. And I flushed them down the toilet, which is a big mistake, isn't it? That's it. Well, because they can they can blow up in the in the in the sewers and block the toilets. They can they can ah. expand. Yeah, don't flush them down the toilet. I didn't know that. I thought that was uh, standard practice. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you this. Yeah. When I was a young man, um, me and um, a friend who I won't name, it wasn't a bowl of cheese. Uh, it was a different friend. When we were sort of very early, t- like twelve, thirteen. And we were looking at a racy magazine. In, <laughs> yeah. He was staying over at, uh, at my um, mum's. Um, and um, we were looking at a racy magazine together and it sort of became an unspoken agreement after we'd looked at the saucy magazine that when the lights went off, we would pleasure ourselves. Yeah. And so I did and finished. Yeah. And then I was lying there in the dark and... Um, I left it like about five, ten minutes, and I went, oh dear. <laughs> I'm like, oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah, you all right? You all right? And I just heard this, not finished. <laughs> and then I had to just lie there. And I could hear... I could, I could hear every awful, not finished. So horrible, isn't it? Uh. I've got a story I want to tell you. Yeah, go. I don't think it. I don't know whether it's... I don't think it's funny, but I think it's the hardest... I think it's the hardest I've ever laughed. When I was um, teaching, um, the, 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 two, there was the school I taught at um, had um, this idea of inviting all of the teachers and the heads over from a neighbouring school so we could share good practice, which is fucking horseshit. Who, who fucking cares? Just teach the children. Shut up. And it was in our own time. It was this awful. So we're, I was with a friend. We were both heads of department. I was with a friend at the back. And he had... <laughs> I don't, I'm starting the story. I don't think it's funny. <laughs> So we had like 50 members, all heads of department, and the governors, and the two heads from the schools, and it was all sort of, yeah, well, we practice at our school, and we do this. And I just wanted to kill myself. And I noticed that um, there was a woman um, in my friend's department who had one of those flask mugs that you just, you know, that you just have, and have a sip of, and then you can close them to keep your coffee hot. And she, she was mad, and I was watching her opening and closing a little thing, and there were tears of boredom running down my face. And I looked over at one of the guys from the other school, and he had a watch on, like a really big metal watch, and it looked like a cross-section of her flask mug. And I just wrote my friend a note saying, looks like these two cunts have been shopping in the same place. And I gave it to him, and he, he went... 
And then we carried on listening. And then he just noticed. He noticed the flask mug and the guy's watch. And he just went. And it was a room, it was like this. It was a room with at least 50 to 100 people in it, all listening to someone at the front going, yes, well, you know, the best thing we can do is to look at the way our curriculums uh, reflect the needs of the children. And my mate just went, the fucking cross circuit of the watch and everyone went quiet and the guy who was talking at the front went is there a problem back there and he just carried on that's that story that's a good one it was really delicious. Yeah. Yeah. We did, I did, t- Talking Cock was, my stage show was translated into loads of different languages. Yeah. And like some of them did like very faithful adaptations and some of them just wrote their own show. And so, <laughs> so you were, why have you, you know, I don't own the rights to jokes about penises. That's right. it. And so we went to like one, I think I went with my director to Denmark or something like that. Um, and this guy had completely changed the show. And it was all... Uh, we're just going to see your own show in lots of languages you didn't understand. And uh, it was all like songs, parody songs of Eminem and stuff like that. You know, it was just so far away from what I was doing. And then there was a really... I mean, he put us right on the front row. So he was looking... <laughs> <laughs> If you want to have a go at comedy, mate, have a go at your convictions. <laughs> so he puts right in the front row, so we having to sit there. What and like, I was just like, this is kind of insulting. You've brought me to Denmark to, to watch not my show being done in a foreign language I can't understand anyway. And you, you know, he kept on smiling over at me and stuff. And then they started doing. He started doing like a really sick. It suddenly went. The mood changed. It was really serious, and he started singing something to the tune of "Send in the Clowns." <laughs> And me and my director just were just killing, just like everyone was crying up. And we were just. And we just. And then the woman next to us. Just the more we couldn't laugh, the more we were just. And it was basically. It was a song about date rape. Oh, it's funny now. It's just these two guys who had laughed at anything in the whole show. <laughs> We're just like trying to stop themselves laughing. <laughs> and it was so like against what the show was. The show was like this celebration of men and women and working together. So he put this fucking song about date rape. <laughs> which didn't fit in anyway. It was so painful. You know, like, it's so painful. Oh, yeah. I remember when I was, <laughs> when I was teaching, um, my uh, friend, and it is a bowl of cheese. Um, it, we were at the the Christmas, um, uh, what's it called? The, you know, Christmas service. <laughs> okay, yeah. The carol service. Yeah, And uh, <laughs> we'd spent the whole time in the hymns, uh, underlining certain parts of words to make, like, knob and dick and stuff. <laughs> And we were crying with laughter. 
And then later I came out and I saw him bollocking a child. And he was going, how dare you? How dare you come into the house of God and disrespect messing around? And he had a hymn sheet in his hand with dick underlined. Oh, it's really bad what teachers do. (laughs) Right. Well, fuck this. <laughs> There's enough in there, isn't there? I think there is. Yeah. 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 Just leave it then, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> it's been lovely to have you back, Greg. Thank you, and Richard. It's lovely to be here. Anytime. Uh, do check out uh, Netflix, You Magnificent Beast, which he is. You see his tummy in it, it's nice. Yeah. You're very nice. sexy, man. Even though, even though you're 50, I'm not, you know. That's what you're, I. Re- you're not ruling out. <laughs> I'm not ruling really, really out at the moment. My wife's in the audience. Um, she won't mind. Is it is it cheating to have sex with Greg Davies? I don't. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure it is. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> I just want to do it. So at some point, I can say I haven't finished. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Davies. the Square Theatre podcast with me, Richard Daring, and my guest, Greg Davies. The music's by Pest. Thank you to everyone at GoFasterStripe.com. Buy all your DVDs and books and comedy stuff there. It's great. Thanks to everyone at the Square Theatre. Go to their website and buy tickets to see all their shows. Thanks to everyone at the British Comedy Guide. They've got lots of podcasts. Check them out. They're good. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. Thank you to our executive producer, Pete Knowles. Fantastic work, Pete, this week. You knocked the socks off all the other executive producers. This is a GoFaster Stripe, Sky Potato and Fuzz production. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.